Welcome back. I'm Ben Shaw, and this is a special episode of Out the Gate, my podcast about sailing and adventure on and around San Francisco Bay. I usually publish this show every other week, but I'm making an exception to update you on a guest from our recent show. In January, I spoke with Ryan Finn. That was on episode 62. That was just before he departed on a single-handed trip from New York to San Francisco. And if you haven't heard that interview, I suggest you go back and listen, as it'll give you the background for today's conversation. Because a day out from New York, something blew a hole in the hull of Ryan's boat, and he started taking on water. He did a U-turn and was able to limp back to shore. And I caught up with Ryan last week for this short interview to hear about the incident and get an update on his plans for the trip. But before we get to that, I'm introducing a new segment connecting listeners, gear, and boats. I don't know if this will turn into anything regular or not, but recently a couple of people reached out to me and I thought, why not? put this out there to all of you. So first, a listener named Greg reached out to me and we struck up an email conversation. Turns out he's leaving the Bay Area and moving to New England and needs to part with his 1972 Santana 27. The Santana 27 is a great bay boat. In an article for Sailing Magazine, John Kretschmer writes about the Santana 22, the older sister and predecessor of the 27, and shares this fantastic story that according to boat builder Tom Schock, Gary Mull approached him in the men's bathroom of the St. Francis Yacht Club. Schock said he didn't have any idea who Gary Mull was, but Mull insisted that the drawings he had tucked under his arm would be a great boat for the bay. Mull explained that he was an apprentice with Sparkman and Stevens in New York, but was really a California kid who grew up sailing on San Francisco Bay. So Schock took the drawings with him and showed them to his dad. And Kretschmer writes, the rest is history. The Santana 22 went into production in 1966, and the WD Schock Corp built around 800 boats before it was finally taken off the line in 1978. Anyway, the Santana 27 is a great first keelboat for the bay. Greg says she's quick and agile and handles the bay beautifully. He's asking around $6,000, but he's open to offers. He really just wants to find a good home for her. And you can find out more about this boat named Shirley Rose at Greg's website, gmcgyver.com. G-M-A-C. I-V-E-R.com, gmcgyver.com. So that's Greg's boat. And another listener, Ken, reached out to me, and we began chatting about sailing, of course, and his teaching of celestial navigation here in the Bay Area. Ken has a lot of experience sailing um, in the bay, coastal sailing, but he's looking to get more experience doing ocean passages. So if anyone out there is about to do an ocean passage and is looking for crew, give me a shout and I can connect you with Ken. I always love hearing from listeners. 
You can find me on Instagram at OutTheGateSailing or email me directly at OutTheGateSailing at gmail.com about either one of those opportunities I just mentioned or anything else. So that's it for the classifieds for this week. Now on to the conversation with Ryan Finn. First, let me say condolences on the uh, aborted attempt. A bummer. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's, uh, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's part of the project, I think, inevitably. Yeah. Fits and um, starts. Yeah. So you must have told the story many times over the past couple months. But yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, de- I've, I've developed it. I've embellished it enough. So like, I've got a really cool version. I can tell you now. <laughs> All right, good. Well, we'd love to hear it. So you were, no, you were on I'm the kidding. podcast um, t- just before you set off. I think I actually aired it the, a couple days before you took off from Brooklyn yeah. on January 21st. And um, so you were out about a day when mm-hmm. I'll let you tell your, story so what happened the forecast was really bad for like a rum line course to getting around uh to like if i rum line would have been heading i would have been keeping bermuda to starboard or basically going really close to bermuda but the forecast was saying that i'd have sustained seas of sustained winds of 40 knots there and seas state would be like an average of 17 feet and i was like all right well is that how you want to start this so um what I worked out with Commander's Weather was I'm just going to sort of dive more on a more southerly course, get across the Gulf Stream, um, you know, probably about 100 miles or so uh, east of Cape Hatteras, and then, you know, get across the stream and then bear off and really uh, start start making my way to the uh, to the east southeast, you know. And um, really, honestly, uh, like. It, you know, it was like noon, like right as I was entering the Gulf Stream and um, and I was going, I was starting to go really fast at that point. I mean, I, I was doing a lot of 19 knots and overground and, uh, and you know, going just perpendicular to the Gulf Stream. And, um, and then I just heard this huge bang and, um, and I thought it was something on deck. So I went to climb up on deck and then I saw just tons of water flying in the boat, you know, like a like a shotgun of, of water. And it was in a, in a hole, in a big hole on the leeward side of the boat. Um, and then I dove again, because the sails are still up and more water came in. And so I just immediately turned off the autopilot, came up on deck, you know, uh, and stopped the boat. You know, rolled up the Genoa, dropped the main and um, lifted the rudders and just drifted while I pumped it out. And that took a few hours. Um, but at this point, I was just in the Gulf Stream, so I was basically heading um, east northeast uh, at like three knots. You know? So the hole was in the the main hull or in the Alma? The main hull, yeah. The interior of the boat. It was like my living space had all the water. Oh, jeez. Um, so. so give us the play by play, though. Of you know, you say you start pumping it out, but what were the thought process what were the actions that you took when you realized what's got to be one of the worst fears of every sailor that 
you have a gaping hole in your hole that's that water's pouring through. Well, yeah, I, I, I knew that, you know, I could see where it was. It was above the water line. Okay. All right. So I wasn't, I wasn't that freaked out and I knew, and I had watertight bulkheads throughout the boat and I wasn't, I just wasn't worried about sinking, but I was like, well, this is it. <laughs> you know, I was like this, that my record attempt is over, you know, and I knew that. Oh. Um, so, uh, you know, that it, that's what, that's what hit me. The first thing that hit me. And so when I stopped the boat, water stopped coming in and, um, or it wasn't, you know, coming in by the load and, uh, and I was able to pump it out. And fortunately all the electronics are on the windward side of the main hull and elevated, um, all the wiring and the, and the batteries are actually, uh, in a box on the outside of the boat. So not, I didn't have any electrical issues. So I was happy about that. Um, but the first thing I did was before I told anybody, I, I emailed Commander's Weather and I'm like, hey, I got to get the hell out of here. I got to get back to, to the mainland. Um, what do you guys, what do you guys think? Because, you know, I was in the Gulf Stream and they were like, you got to head, you, they were like, head, head, head northwest if you can. I'm like, I can't, <laughs> I, like, I can't, I, like, hey, if you can just, you know, head northwest. But um, I ended up basically heading off north northeast uh, well you couldn't because you couldn't because you couldn't be on that tack or you no, just the wind the wind direction, I the just wind direction. Be okay. you know but at this point the waves were pretty big and it was in the blowing in the 20s and i basically put up a storm jib and a double reefed main and sort of limped out of there while i repaired the hole so i was actually sailing on port tack while i repaired the hole because the hole was on you know you know the pro works it goes backwards and forwards so um now that I was on port tack, that was the aft end of the of the of the of the main hull. On the right. Top. So, um, water wasn't it wasn't taking the beating as much, and um, I was able to, uh, you know, with a lot of epoxy and a lot of, uh, you know, I had a, a fine saw and I, I basically took the piece that busted in and shaped a cap out of it and put it back in place with a lot of glue and wood screws, and then I had a spare piece of wood down below that I used as a bigger cover with more glue and more wood screws and screwed that down on top of the whole thing. And, um, cause the so whole, that, from the pictures, it looks like it got punched in and the pieces were still there, but it was shattered. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I was able to sort of get it back in place and, you know, close it up enough, but it was still wet. And the screws that I had, I was like, this is, you know, this isn't, this is not a permanent solution, you know? So, I was just like, so I, I just kept sailing north um, until, because I, I knew when I tacked that that end would now be on the, on the, on the, on the forward end of the, of the hull, of the main hull. Yeah. And um, I didn't want to beat it up trying to sit, because also as I headed north, it got windier and, and it got rougher, you know, it was in mid blowing, sustained mid thirties as I got north. And um, so I'm sailing upwind like that, limping and then tacked, took down the, so I knew I'd be reaching into Virginia. So it wasn't like a regular ley line where I would be going, you know, 90 degrees or whatever to my tack. I would be doing, you know, 120 degree, 100, 130. So you kept going north for a bit so you could be farther off the wind on your- Yeah, so that I could reach in with the storm jib and no main, you know? Yeah. So that's what I ended up doing. And then as I got closer to the coast, you know, it got lighter and lighter. And, um, you know, by the time I got to, Virginia, the Virginia coast, um, south of the Chesapeake Bay entrance, I was becalmed, you know, so. And do you have any idea 
or any suspicion what you hit? No, I have no idea. I mean, it, I, I can't tell if it was just water, if a wave impact or if, if I hit something, an object, but I don't, I don't, I didn't see any marks on the, on the, on the area that was damaged. So I can't, I, would, I can't imagine that I hit something hard that was also that, you know, didn't leave a mark. So hmm. um, I don't know. But one thing I do know is that, uh, you know, I had added a lot of weight to the boat. I had, you know, increased the boat's overall weight by 17% just by bringing all the water that I needed for this course. So, um, so what I, what I need to do for the next one is first off, repair that with reinforcements with a lot more structure and the leeward pod. And also um, I'm, I'm getting a water maker and uh, a hydro generator to power that. So, ah, okay. Yeah. So, so I can't um, bring the water. I'm not bringing the water. Next time I'm, I'm just bringing the water maker and a little bit of spare water, and that's it. That'll lighten your load. And then, our, as I remember from our last conversation, you had a, um, a fuel cell as a backup right. power. And so you'll add a hydro generator. Right. Yeah. Because now with the water maker, I'm going to be using more electricity. So, yeah. I want a third. I want a third charging system to, to stand on. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, and fail safes. Right, right. And why Virginia? So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, the over the other thing is like you know I left with a lot of ambition for having a lot of solar power on the boat, and then uh, I've had a lot of the panels ripped off during. <laughs> during the delivery up and then also on this delivery i'd put one panel on the trampoline on this delivery and it got torn up so i i brought that down below i'm like there's just not a lot of places that solar panels are safe on the boat or that they're not in the way for where i need to walk you know what i mean so oh, yeah so i'm not I, I i have less of that than i want and um yeah hydrogen air does this happening all of one day out from shore give you any pause about the boat or do you just send, feel like it was a one-off thing you completely unlucky no i don't think it was i don't think it was unlucky i think i'm really lucky i mean you know it doesn't give me any pause on the boat because i've sailed the boat in much harder conditions you know right. yeah um and and you know i've got i've got over ten thousand miles on the boat and uh and i've sailed it in worse conditions and uh this was a surprise you know the yeah. only thing that the biggest difference was the weight. Um, and, you know, maybe I, I just had, it, it had just had enough, you know, the, so, um, but I, I don't, yeah, no, I, it, no, not at all. I, if, if anything, it gives me more confidence because I'm like, oh, there's a weak spot. And yeah. uh, now you know about. Now I know it. And I, and I know what I know what I need to, I need to go on a weight loss program for the boat, you know, and really <laughs> emphasize that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You wrote a really fascinating post on your Facebook page about how for at least a month after you got back, you were still doing the passage in your head. Yeah. Yeah. What talk about that? What, what was that like? I mean, it was most like, it was most, you know, when I, when I got to the dock, it was surreal. Right. Um, Cause it was like, I've been planning for this for so long. I mean, it's pretty intense. The amount of, sort of i'm not going to say it's meditating on it but you sort of you're, you're thinking about the course and next step and 
you know, I'm already thinking about where I'm going to be in, in 15 days and where I'm going to be in 30 days. What I ended up stepping off the boat in Virginia was not part of the plan. It was a kind of a shock to my system. I could feel like myself splitting. What I was supposed to be doing was being out there and I was living in some sort of dream in Virginia. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, it just took a while to get to run that out of my system, you know, but um, yeah, what the biggest thing that the post, you know, that had sort of gone away and I've, and I've gotten back to normal life. But the big thing is that, you know, I knew when I wanted to be getting around Cape Horn and um, or when I was supposed to be based on models and stuff. And, um, you know, so that was a bit of, you know, that's the that's the biggest part of the trip. Right. It's, and you could you could look at the weather that you would have been facing if you had been down there. And what did you right. see? Nothing good. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing good. Uh, it would it would have been um, it would have been definitely uh, I would have had to have a lot of confidence in the boat and um, at that point to 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 carry on because I would have had to sort of thread a needle to get around the tip of uh, Chile to to get north, you know. So maybe it was meant to be that you uh, try it another time. <laughs> Well, maybe, but I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, I mean, the other, uh, there's always the option of, of waiting for a weather window, you know, down there. So that, that, that would have always been on the table. I would have, I would have gauged it by um, how I was feeling when I was down there, you know? If you're waiting it out, are you hove to or are you anchored yeah. somewhere? Yeah, no, I, I can stop the boat as much as you can a light boat. You know, it's hard to, heaving to in light boats isn't, they still move, you know, they're still sailing around a little bit. In this boat, it would have, you know, I've got sea anchors and I've got an anchor anchor. And uh, it, it's a good chance that I probably would have anchored on the leeward side of, of the coastline and waited that out since the wind was going to be really consistent from the, uh, from the southwest for a long time at its strongest, you know. So if you do do it nonstop solo, that will be setting a record. Would, would right. anchoring make that null and void? No, no. It, the... The definition is is of, of stopping would be actually getting on land and going above the high tide mark. Got it. What's the plan now? The boat's in Virginia. Yeah, boat's in Virginia. Um, it's at it's at Jim Brown's house, and uh, you know we're just waiting for the weather to improve and, and working with Russell Brown's schedule. But um, yeah, he's Jim gonna... is related to Russell. Russell's the designer of the boat. Builder. Right, Russell's the designer builder previous owner of the boat and jim's his dad yeah got yeah, it okay not okay. a bad place to have the boat for repairs no no not at all not at all yeah yeah it'll be interesting um working with russell i'm just gonna be handing him tools and running errands i think just to make it make get out of his way as much as possible i think you guys have gotten pretty tight since uh you started this process yeah yeah absolutely absolutely yeah yeah now russell's a great guy he's been awesome that's wonderful. The plan now is to try and set off next year. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, leaving in a November, December window would be nice. Why the earlier uh, departure? You went in January. Yeah, this was later than I wanted to leave. It was, it was pushing it. I was at the end of any sort of traditional attempt, I think. I mean, that's really it. It's nice to be ready. It'd be nice to be ready in November and just have that option to, to really wait for a good weather window, you know? 
Yeah. Mentally, what do you do for this year while you, I mean, you're obviously prepping for the boat and I'm sure you felt like you were ready when you took off in January, but how do you right. keep yourself ready in your head? Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, it's, I still have the, you know, there's always an anxiety, like owning a boat is owning a, a boat is anxiety ridden, right? You're always, <laughs> yeah, I'm always wondering right. how I'm going to, how I'm going to get it all together still and, and pay for it and, and that kind of a thing. So that's, that's, that's where I'm at right now. It's like the stress will always be there. I think um, it would be, you know, a huge relief if I was able to get the funding I needed to get all this, all of this completed in a way that is, um, that I am completely confident, you know. So the big I mean, costs now are the repairs, the water maker and tow generator. Is there anything that else? Yeah, and there's going to be some other stuff. Uh, you know, I'd like to get lithium, the lithium batteries. Um, mm -hmm. That's another big expense. Yeah. And um, again, the lightweight option. Lightweight option. And, and they're just, they're just, I think you, they're, they're a better battery to have offshore. You can run them down pretty far, and you know there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of good things about them. They're smaller, you know, yeah. um, and you know Russell was talking about building a new floor for the uh, a new floor for the um, where the motor mount is hmm. currently is, and um, some other motor mount, but like no it. but no motor, right? No motor, yeah. Then and I actually took the mount off, but I still have the platform that it's anchored in. It's there, but Russell is telling me it's it's it, we could cut out a lot of weight by getting rid of it. That's the biggest priority now, and it's like, yeah, the lightweight is fast, but at this point, I'm like, lightweight is safe, you know? Yeah, that's my biggest goal on going light is just the keeping the loads on the boat less. Yeah. Tell me how you think the weight was related to the whole the incident it's just uh it just i could feel it when i left when i left brooklyn you know i could feel the boat was just lumbering more you know just like it was like Ugh. you know i could just feel yeah. the weight the, the the motion of the boat was different it, it when i went up and down and swell i could feel it on the, on the down part i could feel the the, the hull going in deeper mm -hmm. and um and you know that's what happened that's what happened when i entered the gulf stream is you know you go go up and you come down and with more weight you just dive deeper and yeah, you have more mass yeah. yeah i mean i was still going fast but um it was it was about the impact you know so to speaking of costs um i understand you have a gofundme how do people find that if they want to support your trip we go to the tuition from rock facebook page and it'll be pinned when we publish uh when we publish this interview i'll post it on on uh, tuition one rock cool. and i'll have a link to the GoFundMe there. Yeah, the GoFundMe is for basically, if you, if you look through it, it lists all the items, what the money's going towards. The first priority is to fund getting Russell Brown to Virginia to fix the hole that's in the boat. So <laughs> project number one, fix hole. Get Russell there to fix hole. Yeah, fix hole. He's from the Pacific Northwest. Is that right? Yeah, he, yeah, he's, yeah he's, he's in um, Port Townsend. Okay. Now, you're going to do the repairs there in Virginia. And then are you going to pop back up to New York to depart from there? Or do you think you'll leave from Virginia? I'm not sure exactly what the program is from that point on. I mean, you know, I have, I have a lot, there are a lot of other projects I'd like to do. And, you know, 
additionally to the boat, like I said, with the water maker and all that. And I'm not sure where I'll be doing that yet. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm sort of, that was one thing that I didn't, you know, when I was sailing in, when I was limping back in after the boat was damaged, you know, people were asking me what I was going to do because I was starting to get text messages, right? Once I was near Virginia, I was getting texts. Yeah. Like, what's your plan? I'm like, one, like right now I'm just thinking like one hour at a time, you know, I, I'm, I don't have like, I'm not trying to think long-term right now. I'm just trying to get to a goddamn dock, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and, and that's sort of, now I'm, I'm projecting a little further out, but not, not much. Well, hopefully we'll touch base with you a little under a year from now. Yep. And you'll be ready to go. But thanks for this update, Ryan. Really appreciate it. And yeah, no, absolutely. Glad to hear that the plan is not scuttled, but you, you live to sail another day. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I uh, absolutely. Um, I, I have still have all the freeze-dried food for the record, right? <laughs> so I got to go. go. You got to go. You, someone's yeah, got to do it. with it. <laughs> camping? I'm not going to go camping that much. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, thank you and good luck. All right, man. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. That wraps up this special episode. If you would like to help Ryan, you can go to his Facebook page, as he says, or you can also do a Google search for GoFundMe and Two Oceans, One Rock, and his GoFundMe page will pop up. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a comment in Apple Podcasts or shoot me a message directly. Again, that's outthegatesailing at gmail.com. I'm Ben Shaw. Until next time, smooth sailing. Thank you.